Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is sponsored by Third Love. Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra is the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. You've heard me talk about it time and again. It's made out of super soft memory foam that molds to your shape and gives you a truly perfect customized fit. Third Love stands behind the product so much that they're willing to let our listeners try it for free for 30 days. Do all of the things you normally do with a bra, wear it, wash it take it traveling, whatever. If you love it, you keep it and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back. Your card will not be charged. So start your free trial now at thirdlove.com slash books. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 58, and today we are talking about books released on June 14th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi there. Is it possible for the dog days to start in June? I think so. <laughs> I feel like that's where we are. It's been so hot here. I was at the beach over the weekend, and it was really nice there. And then I came home and it's a million degrees and there's like not enough sweet tea in the south to keep me chill right now. It's not very warm here. The sun won't stay out for any amount of time the last few days. Oh. I don't know what's going on. But it's very, very windy. Oh, gusty. Interesting. Yeah. I and all like the that. pollen you could want. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Maine. Well, we will try to stay sunny at least with good books today. Yes. I can't wait. Wanna... I, I said episode 58 when I was reading the thing, but I started to panic. I'm like, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's not what? I, I, I was like, oh. But then I just looked it up, and it's right. It is, yeah, it's a, we've just done a lot of episodes. I don't know why it didn't sound right in my head. I was like, I am saying the complete wrong thing. <laughs> oh, well. Nope. It's right. Okay. I have some right things to talk about, though. Tell me about that your was really, really weak. It's, we're just not in it today. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we're not going to have segues today, but that's okay. Oh, before we get started, we should say next week is going to be our 2016 halftime show. Yay, about halftime our, show. Our favorite books of the year so far. So when we get done recording this episode, we're going to go have a pillow fight to decide who gets to talk about which ones. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty easy. I let you have whatever you want, really. It's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't need to fight over that if that's what you want. I know. Well, usually it's like, I've only read these books. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have backup choices. All right. So now I will tell you about some other books first. And this first one is so good. It also has possibly my favorite cover of the year. It's amazing. It's called Before the Feast, and it's by Sasha Stenisic. I hope I'm saying his name right. His name is spelled S-A-S-A. And his last name is spelled S-T-A-N-I-S-I-K. Stanisic, I think is how it's say. That's a, I think um, that's a good guess. It's a good guess. Anyway, it's this fantastic, fably, fairy tale-ish, future, or should I say present day sort of tale. Um, it takes place in the small German village of 
Furstenfeld, population odd number, um, and it is the evening before the feast, hence the title. And it's just this, like, town populated by these quirky people. Uh, the town has two lakes, but the ferryman has recently died, so they have no one to take them across the lakes, and no one's stepping up to take his place. Um, there's a bar in a man's garage. There's some people with some strange tattoos. There's a woman who wants to paint the village at night. Not, like, paint the whole entire village, like, paint a picture of the village at mm. night. Um... And everybody's just kind of getting re- ready for the feast that's going to happen the next day. Um, but the village archive has been broken into, and nothing was stolen. However, the village's myths, stories, and legends have sort of escaped out into the night. And all kinds of strange things are happening. And in the middle of this is a vixen, uh, a fox, who is trying to steal eggs for her babies. Um, it's so cool and weird and hilarious. There's, like, these inefficient bell ringers. Um, it's kind of like northern exposure in a German village. It's just it's sold. It's really fun and interesting. He is an amazing writer. Um, where is the cover of this book? Somebody wrote something great. Where is it? Uh, oh, here it is. It says he's offensively gifted, some kind of freak genius, and that's exactly what it is. It's just so interesting and fun, and I loved it to pieces. And yeah, again, it's called Before the Feast by Sasha Stenisik. Awesome. Uh, my first pick this week is one I also just really, really loved. I devoured it. Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty by Ramona Ausubel. Uh It's set in the 70s. It's Labor Day 1976. And the main characters, Fern and Edgar, uh, who are a wealthy young couple. They're in their late 20s. They are vacationing at Martha's Vineyard with their three kids. They are about to have a birthday celebration when the phone rings and it is their uh, estate attorney, I think, or their accountant, letting them know that there's no money left left in Fern's parents' estate. Both of her parents recently passed. Um, She and Edgar have been relying on her parents' estate as their sole source of income, like for their entire adulthood. And now there is no money and they don't know what they're going to do. Um, Edgar is from Old Money. His family has run a very successful Chicago steel company for several generations, but he has been kind of of the, like, it's the 70s and he's fighting the power and he does not want to be a sellout. He doesn't want to be a steel man. He just wrote a book. Uh, He wants to get his book published and not have to, you know, be a common working man. He really does not want to... Like, he doesn't want to be that kind of rich. He and Fern were totally fine living off of her parents' money, but he doesn't want to, like, have to go work for his father's steel company and then be that other kind of rich. He just completely loses it. Uh, He walks out of the house. He finds himself at this party where he meets a woman that he ends up spending the night with. And from there, we rewind back to how he and Fern first met more than a decade earlier. And then the chapters start alternating between the 1976 timeline and the backstory that eventually winds its way up to the present. So we go through Fern and Edgar's marriage from start up to uh, up till present day. Um, in the present day line, Edgar ends up going off on this adventure. He goes sailing with the woman that he met at the party, just like he just completely loses it and uh fern also goes on a walkabout of her own neither like their marriage is imploding while they're realizing that they don't have any money and fern thinks that edgar of course should go work for his father's company 
but he's not wanting to do that. Uh, she leaves too. Neither of them realizes that the other one has left and their three kids are home alone for several days. So we also get to see their kids like they they have an older daughter and then two twin boys. The daughter, I think, is nine and the twins are four or five. And their daughter is, you know, like making sure that everyone gets dressed and goes off to school. And they're like camping in a teepee in the backyard, eating cans of beans, wondering where their parents are. Um, it's just bonkers. Uh, the whole thing is just bonkers. It's this page turning story. It's about marriage, family obligations. It's very rich people problems. Uh, but the best part is that the writing just simmers with this anger uh, and with feminist perspectives on work and expectations and freedom or not having freedom. Uh, women in both families resented that all they were expected to become was wives and mothers that they weren't encouraged uh, to develop a career, to develop interests, and, and they have some deep and dark feelings about their children and about their husbands. And uh, Ramona Ostebel just does not pull any punches. I was so in love with the way that she just laid it all right out there in this novel. Um, it's kind of like if The Nest uh, by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney, which came out earlier this year, had an had a baby with The Affair, that show on Showtime, um, and it was just a really feminist baby in the 70s. Uh, I just loved this book. Um, I was expecting it to be page turning and great for summer. Um, there's so much depth and substance uh, to what she's getting at. I underlined a bunch of things. I was putting quotes on Litzy. Uh, again, the book is called Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty. It's by Ramona Osabel. It is excellent. I've never watched The Affair. because You haven't? I, yeah, I refuse to believe that anyone would ever cheat on Maura Tierney because she is... <laughs> The most perfect woman who should be my girlfriend. I love her. So <laughs> I just has, don't believe it. It's ridiculous. It's, she, she lost she me has already. Some, <laughs> she has some really excellent moments on that show. Oh, I love her. Uh, but that, the like, well, you haven't seen it, but if you have watched The Affair, like both of the people sort of go a little nuts at points. Uh, and Edgar, you know, just like storming off to sea, literally getting on a boat and sailing away from his troubles, um, reminded me some of what happens there. Um, it's it's great. Also, I think it'd be an awesome book club book because you get all the like character-y stuff to talk about, but there's that layer too of the political and sort of family makeup uh, angle. She's really amazing, Ramona. And if you've yeah, not read is, her other stuff, I, I have not. Highly recommend it. Yeah, this was my first time reading her, and I was like, oh, where have you been all my life? So you are that's exciting, because now you have more to look forward to. I do. I think I'm going to read some of her backlist this summer. Um, okay, before I turn it back over to you, we have another sponsor this week. Penguin Random House Audio is back, and they are focusing this summer on family travel, which is right and good, because this is the season of family travel. And if you've ever taken a road trip with your whole family, you know that it probably seemed to go on forever. Uh, it can be quite a challenge to find entertainment that is good and interesting and appropriate for the whole family. So Penguin Random House Audio is here to help. You can go to tryaudiobooks.com slash family hyphen travel for a free full download and start listening with your whole family. They have some specific titles that are available uh, for this free giveaway, including Grimm's Fairy Tales, Turtle in Paradise, Ready Player One, and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, by Douglas Adams, which is narrated by Stephen Fry. That was one of the first audiobooks that I listened to on a road trip with my husband a few years ago, and it is just phenomenal. Stephen Fry performs it so well. He does all the different voices and sound effects for the silly characters. Uh, it is an excellent listen if you have kids who are old enough to uh, appreciate the humor. 
of the Hitchhiker's Guide. And they've got many, many more titles that they can recommend to you. We've talked so many times about uh, audiobooks as a great way to fill the down moments in your day that you couldn't normally sit down and pick up a book, but you're doing something with your hands and you can put a book into your ears while you're doing it. The family road trip this summer is absolutely one of those times. So again, go to tryaudiobooks.com slash family hyphen travel for a free full download and start listening with your whole family on your next car ride. Thanks again to them for sponsoring. Yes, thank you. So my next pick is called Grace by Natasha Dion. And it is this beautiful, brutal story of slavery in the South in the 1840s. Um, it is narrated by a 15-year-old woman named Naomi. Naomi uh, grows up on a plantation in Alabama. Um, like I said, this is this is a really brutal book, so a lot of the things I'm going to say are going to be really hard. Um, her mother and her sister, and she all live in a cabin. They're treated better than the other slaves on the plantation because her mother is used basically as a breeder. Um, the master oh. takes the, her babies and sells them, and she manages to hide Naomi away from their master, uh, so she grows up like in this cabin without him knowing that she's there. Um, and when she's fifteen year old, fifteen years old, she runs away. She leaves behind her mother and sister. Um, there's an incident, and she runs away. And she's found in the woods in Georgia and taken to a brothel, which is run by a woman named Cynthia. Cynthia is like the hooker with the heart of gold kind of character. She takes her in. She's like, you know, you can stay here and hide out, um, but you have to clean. You have to clean the place all the time and do, you know, the cooking and my chores and all the stuff. Um, Naomi falls in love with a white man who has a gambling addiction named Jeremy, who often hangs out at the brothel. Um, one thing leads to another. She becomes pregnant. And now she, um, she has a baby named Josie. Now, I'm not giving anything away. Like I said, this is it's really brutal. I'm not giving anything away. It's right on the cover and right in the first page. Um, Naomi is murdered immediately after Josie is born. Uh, and Josie is taken from her, her home, and she's raised by a free slave named Charles. But Josie has white skin and blonde hair, and things are different for her than the other kids around her. And there's rumor of the Emancipation Proclamation, um, that reaches their village, and something else horrible happens. Um, but the whole book is narrated from the perspective of Josie and also from Naomi's ghost. Like, Naomi cannot bring herself to leave her daughter, so she stays with her as she gets older and grows. It's a really hard-hitting, heartbreaking debut, but it's beautiful, and you know, the writing is phenomenal, and it's just this incredible story about love and freedom and motherhood. Um, if you read Homegoing recently, I would hold off uh, reading this for a little while. Like I said, it is it is really hard, but it's beautiful and worth it. Again, it's called Grace by Natasha Dion. Whew. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I just recovered from Homegoing. I don't know if my heart can take that yet. I know. I, I would give it some time. I'm going to put it on the list, though. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about something completely different. Oh, wait, no, it's not time. It's still your turn. Never mind then. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with my theme of rich people problems and do a backlist bump for a novel that came out a few years ago before this show existed uh, that is 
really especially perfect going into summer. It's called Seating Arrangements by Maggie Shipstead. Uh, this is set ac- across a wedding weekend on a New England island in June. Uh, it's the marriage of two children of wealthy families. The uh, main character that we meet first is, is named Wynn Van Meter. Uh, his daughter Daphne is marrying a guy named Grayson Duff. Uh, the event has been, you know, perfectly planned right down to the embroidered critters on everyone's uh, red chinos. And of course, everything then goes perfectly sideways. Uh, the guests make some embarrassingly bad life choices, but they're also hilarious. And the story veers into the absurd to really great effect. There are like, you know, typical wedding weekend shenanigans drawn out to the absurd, like, you know, bridesmaids and groomsmen hooking up with each other. People are betraying people. There's drama. There's intrigue. There are just, you know, capers gone awry. Uh, there's a dead whale that washes up on the beach and like some people accidentally maybe pop it. Uh, it's weird and and just hysterical. And Maggie Shipstead captures that like summer camp feeling that happens when you go on a destination wedding or when you go on a trip with friends where people just become fast friends with strangers. There are even faster romances. There's this sense of like fleeting freedom that you could just be ridiculous because when the wedding is over, the whole like the magic bubble will burst and everyone will go back to their normal lives. And maybe we just won't remember all of the silliness. And at the the whole time that the great story is happening, Shipstead is also satirizing rich people problems uh, and sort of the lives of wealthy people who are inauthentic and concerned with appearances and, you know, with their child marrying into the right family. And, you know, are they the Van Meters of Long Island or the Van Meters of, you know, somewhere else? Uh, I just really, really loved it. It's also got that great uh, band gets back together thing that I love where people are sort of in a closed room or a confined space together for the duration of the story. Again, it's called Seating Arrangements by Maggie Shipstead. It's out in paperback because it's been out for a few years now. And that is my backlist bump for today. I'm really surprised that hasn't been made into a movie yet. I know. It feels like it would be so perfect for a movie or like a, I don't know, like an HBO miniseries. All right. I am going to talk about something completely different, but it's not what I thought it was. Um, My next pick I read so long ago, but it's okay because it's completely bonkers all over the place. So even if I mess up some of it, you probably won't even know. Um, Perfect. It's called I Am Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed, And I picked it up because the the tagline said, you're scared, but you don't know why. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll come, I'll come along for that ride. And it's narrated by a girl. We don't know her name. She's just the girlfriend. Uh, she and her boyfriend, Jake, are riding in a car on the way to his parents' house She's going to meet his parents for the first time. Um, and it, as it is narrated by her, we're hearing her thoughts. And she's thinking, you know, Jake is nice, but she's not, like, super into him. And she's thinking of ending things. Uh, but she agrees, anyway, to go meet his parents. And so they're driving out to their farmhouse. Um, she gets there. His parents are a little unusual. There's a little incident near the car. And then there's another incident after dinner. Um, And they were supposed to spend the night, but they decide not to stay. And so they turn around and they start heading back to college. I should say they're college students. So they start heading back to the college. And then it just evolves into a straight-on horror movie. (laughs) And it's just like, what is going on? And it's super creepy. Um, The the last half of the book reminds me of, like, the present-day scenes from American Horror Story Asylum. If you've seen that, you know what I'm talking about. 
Um, it's just like nothing that you think you know will lead you to ever guess what is going on at the end of this book or even like really understand what happened. It is just this wildly ambiguous, compulsively readable, truly unsettling book. Um, so, so, so creepy. But the writing is fantastic, and it's just so interesting. And again, creepy. If you like being scared, um, this is definitely one to try out. And it is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. I'm not thinking of ending things. I love you too much. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> Want to tell me about our next sponsor? Yes, I do. I just lost my notes. Hold on. Yes, our next sponsor is Read Me Like a Book by Liz Kessler. Um, it is a new novel of her, Liz's first YA. Uh, you might recognize her name. She is the children's book author of the best-selling Emily Winsnap series. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at those. Yeah, they're so cute. I love those. Um, this one is about a girl named Ashley Walker. Ashley Walker is a mediocre student with an assortment of friends, a sort of boyfriend, and no plans for the future. Then a straight-from-college English teacher, Miss Murray, takes over Ash's class and changes everything. Miss Murray smiles a lot. She shares poetry with curse words in it. She's cool. And she seems to really care about her students and about Ashley. For the first time, Ash feels an urge to try harder, to give something or someone her best. Before she knows it, Ashley is in love. Intense, heart-raising, all-consuming first love. It's strong enough to distract her from worrying about bad grades and her parents' marriage troubles. But what will happen if, if Miss Murray finds out that Ashley is in love with her? Oh, no. Oh, first love. It's already breaking my heart. I know. Uh, this is perfect timing, too, because June is LGBT Book Month from the ALA, the American Library Association. Uh, so if you want more recommendations like that, you can check out ALA.org uh, and see what they have going on. And also in light of what has happened uh, in Orlando uh tragically over the weekend, um, an important time to be drawing books about LGBT characters to the attention of readers of all ages. Yeah. I also wanted to point out um, today there are two books coming out. One is called Love Unites Us, Winning the Freedom to Marry in America by Kevin Cathcart and Leslie Gabriel Brett, and Love Wins, The Lovers, Lawyers, and Activists Who Brought the Landmark Case for Marriage Equality by Debbie Sensber and Bill Obergefell. Those are both out today. Check those out, too. Is it? It's your turn. It is my turn. I'm, we're so out of it today. <laughs> <laughs> I had a. I just had a rough reading week. Last week yeah. was so good. Uh, so I'm diving into paperbacks again for my last two picks. Uh, so next up, I'm going to recommend the paperback edition of Saint Maisie by Jamie Attenberg. Uh, this came out last year. It was one of my favorite books of the year last year. This is another excellent for summer, excellent for travel, excellent for recommending to whoever. This book is definitely in that like it's substantial and interesting and you can safely give it to anyone. Uh, it's about a woman named Maisie Phillips who was the proprietor of the Venice Theater, which was kind of a landmark in jazz age New York. Um, Maisie lives it up. She you know, intends to stay single and to not have kids, but she is no stranger to poverty herself. She had a very difficult childhood. Um, and we see Maisie's New York move through the decades from sort of that like opulent, booze flowing jazz age into the depression. And Maisie becomes even more of a fixture in her neighborhood in the Lower East Side. Um, because she doesn't have a husband and a child to take care of, she is able to really engage with taking care of the people around her. And she becomes known as Saint Maisie. The frame story around the novel is uh, that a documentarian has found Maisie's diary 90 years later and is tracking down people who knew her or who knew of her 
And so in the book, we get this, I just loved the structure of this novel so much because we get that thread of the documentarian talking to people and, and you know, piecing together interviews. We also get Maisie's diary entries. We get straight narrative about what happened uh, during Maisie's life. And it comes together in this really detailed, rich, compelling, thoughtful story that feels like you could just be reading a nonfiction book about a woman who really lived. Uh, and in fact, Maisie Phillips uh, did live. There are great uh, interviews that you can read with Jamie Attenberg that came out when she was first promoting the hardcover about how she first learned of Maisie uh, and of who she was in the city and then how she you know, did research and put together the fictional aspects for the book as well. It's really wonderful, just an excellent, solid novel. Uh, Saint Maisie, that's M-A-Z-I-E, by Jamie Attenberg. And, and, and it's going to be a TV series with Helena Bonham Carter. It is? <gasps> yes. Oh. They just announced it the other day, or I should say Jamie just announced it. I saw it on her Twitter oh, feed. I, that was, I must have been off the internet when that happened. That's so exciting. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, oh, she'll be great in that role. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's um, so She awesome. was just so fascinating. She was a, a first discoverer, Joseph Mitchell. Who yes. was the famous New Yorker writer? He did a great thing about her that you can read in his stuff. Um, but yeah, now TV series. That's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I hope they keep it like similar to the books, and it's not like she goes time traveling and gets a hoverboard <laughs> and all this stuff. You know, like we're going to change the whole story. <laughs> like Saint Maisie you know, meets Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, like that's fine. Speaking of Back to the Future, oh hey, let me tell you about my last book. It's called Life Moves Pretty Fast, The Lessons We Learned from 80s Movies and Why We Don't Learn Them Anymore by Hadley Freeman. Um, Life Moves Pretty Fast, being in line from Ferris Bueller. I'm hoping, now that I've said it out loud, I'm like, oh my goodness, is it? (laughs) And it just Ferris Bueller's 30th anniversary. Yeah, like last weekend. Yep. It's crazy. It's it's just insane. Um, Hadley Freeman is a giant fan of 80s films. Uh, she was born in 1978, and she spent her childhood watching them, as did I and lots of you. Mm-hmm. And she just wrote this book about her love. She's somewhere, and she says she like it only took her 30 years to come up with like a somewhat plausible reason to interview Molly Ringwald or something like that. So she wrote this <laughs> book all about 80s movies and why they don't make movies like them anymore, and all the differences between making films in the 80s and making films now, and making films in the 70s, and what changed. Um, like, how the studio is more involved in the making of films than ever. Um, directors are no longer even given the final cut most times. Like, they don't have the last say in what happens in their films. Um, John Landis doesn't think he'd be able to make the Blues Brothers today. Robert Zemeckis said there's no way he could make Back to the Future now. Ron Howard said there was no way that, a, that the studios would take a chance on something like Cocoon now. Like they're just mm. less flexible, less open to this kind of thing. Um, she discusses, you know, that uh, she talks about why 80s Tom Cruise is best Tom Cruise. Um, she talks about how nothing is perfect. Nothing we love is perfect. You can find problems with everything. Um, you know, some of the things that are problematic in some of the films, like rape culture, like portrayed in like 16 Candles and Revenge of the Nerds and Overboard. Mm-hmm. Overboard, where you have this woman who is tricked into thinking she's someone's wife, you know, and he sleeps with her. Like, what? You know, um, there are these lists between chapters of things like the 10 best power ballads, the 10 best fashion moments, the top five British bad guys in 80s films. And then each chapter is this deep dive into a particular film, but references all these other other films within it. Um, there's a chapter on Dirty Dancing, The Princess Bride, Pretty in Pink, which she thinks should be taught in school, um, When Harry Met Sally, Ghostbusters, Ferris Bueller, Steel Magnolias, 
Oh. Baby Boom, which I have to say, I don't think I ever saw Baby Boom. I think it's, it's the one with Diane Keaton. I've never seen it. Yes. Um, then there's a thing about Back to the Future, and then there's an entire chapter on the films of Eddie Murphy in the 80s. And it's just really fun. She knows her stuff. Um, if you love pop culture, if you love 80s movies, it's just really fun to check out. Again, it's called Life Moves Pretty Fast by Hadley Freeman. I had my eye on that one for this week, and you beat me to it, which is totally fine. <gasps> you should have um, told me I would have let you have it. It's all right. Uh, but I'm definitely going to read that. I think we got to give shout outs to this is like the year of books about 80s movies because all of the 80s kids are old enough to write books about them now uh, because we have two friends who have books about I, that 80s That's my movies next thing. Go, you, you do it. Coming out. Uh, <laughs> Jason Diamond has a memoir called Searching for John Hughes or Everything I Thought I Needed to Know About Life I Learned from Watching 80s Movies. Uh, that's coming out November 29th. And then our other friend Kevin Smokler has a book called Brat Pack America visiting cult movies of the 80s where he traveled around the country visiting the places where classic Brat Pack movies were set and filmed and that's November 15th uh, so later this fall we'll get uh, two interesting guys writing uh, books about 80s movies also and I'm I could not be more excited yeah it's gonna be awesome I'm still holding out for someone to do the book length oral history of Empire Records, but we're not quite up to like, you know, mid 90s yet, even though Clueless got its own book last year. And that was great. That's true. I don't know as much about 90s movies. Well, let's move on then to something more <laughs> modern. Okay. Last <laughs> uh, one. We can I'm do this. We can. We're almost there. Uh, I am pitching today the paperback edition of Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. He is the comedian, the star of Master of None on Netflix. And prior to that, he was Tom Haverford on my all-time favorite Parks and Rec. Uh, for Modern Romance, he teamed up with a sociologist named Eric Kleinenberg to do a mix of personal reflection, humor, memoir, on modern dating and relationships and sociology and stats that look at how technology have, has changed the way that we find partners. And so there are like hilarious, you know, little asides about text message exchanges that he had with women that he was dating or like when you send a message that you think is really slick and then you see the little bubbles pop up on the iPhone that someone's typing, but then they stop typing and then they never respond and you don't know what's going to happen and how like that is a particular kind of social interaction anxiety that didn't exist before we had this kind of technology and how, you know, 50 years ago, most people met their spouses because they lived near each other, often in, you know, in populated cities, they lived on the same block or in the same building. And now vicinity doesn't have as much to do with it because technology lets us connect with people all over the world. Uh, it's really interesting. It's not quite as data heavy as I wanted it to be for that. Um, if you really like the data heavy looks at things, Dataclism by Christian Rudder, uh, who's one of the founders of OkCupid, was excellent. But it was just really fun. And you can feel Aziz Ansari's voice all the way through it. Uh, it made me want him to just write an essay collection because uh, I just I like his perspective. He's a funny, smart, interesting guy. And uh, the stuff about him I found to be more engaging uh, than the, you know, dating stats stuff. But there's a little bit of everything in here. There's some charts, too. If you're a pie chart kind of person, you will find something to enjoy. Uh, again, it's Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. And uh, it is I out saw in paperback. it on the list, and I was like, wait, we just talked about it on this book last week. I know. And then I realized, like, no. <laughs> well, for a Different. while, I had the title in there wrong as Modern Lovers, because I've just been thinking about Modern Lover. <laughs> okay. So I'm not hallucinating. I was like... 
okay. you're not. No, I just changed it this morning because I had the same like, wait, modern. That's not what was it? And then I had to go look. And, yeah, it's modern romance. It's by Aziz. Ansari. I would watch Aziz and Sorry and Emma Straub have a conversation. That would be awesome. <gasps> yes. Someone I would like should make that, that happen. happen. I would really yeah. like for that to happen too. That would be yeah. excellent. Um, okay, so we made it through new releases. What are you going to go read now? I'm going to read something that, like, okay, so if you know Amanda Nelson, our, our mm-hmm. managing editor, um, and I know you do, Rebecca, she's, like, unflappable. Like, she just, like, yes. nothing you tell her but phases her. But we were having a conversation. I was on her podcast, and I mentioned that I had never read Sabriel by Garth Nix, mm. and she would just lost her mind. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, well, I must read this. And then I completely forgot. And uh, six months later, I was sitting at home yesterday, and I was like, what was that book that Amanda was freaking out about? And she didn't remember, and then I said it, and she freaked out. So I'll, I'm going to read that next. It's a young adult novel that I missed. It was from when I was younger, and I, I don't know. But I have the entire trilogy here, so I might as well <laughs> read it. I've never read those either. Okay, well, I'll let you know how it is. Okay. We can, we, for like, until you're done reading it, we can just sit in that tree together. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, I'll just, for, I, I'll write you the crib notes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, man, we could have had such a sweet setup doing that with each other in school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have wanted to read all the books anyway, though. <laughs> I've never, like, looked at, what are the cliff notes? Is that, they yeah. still call them cliff notes? I have no Cli- Uh-huh. <laughs> so old. <laughs> I never did, but only because I was so like, I don't want to get caught doing yeah. the thing I'm not supposed to do. That too. <laughs> uh, I am going to go read The Bourbon Thief by Tiffany Rice. Woo-hoo! I know. I love, I have loved her uh, romance books so much. And this one it promises to be mystery and romance about a Kentucky family with bourbon in their blood and blood on their hands. Uh, I read the first two chapters yesterday and it just sucked me in immediately. All of Tiffany's books. She's the uh, best. Have done she, her writing is so, it just grabs you by the throat from the very beginning, um, just reliably and you can sink right into it. So I'm going to go, I think, spend the rest of my afternoon finding out a little bit more. But it was great. Uh, and the the right mix, I think, so far of mystery and romance. Like, I can see that there's going to be mystery, but there was banging in the second chapter, um, which is <laughs> <laughs> like, that's par for the course with Tiffany, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, so I'm excited. It's cool to see a writer that you've known in one genre do something different. And so I'm also really looking forward to what a mystery, what her take on mystery is going to be. Whenever there's banging in the books that I'm reading, it's the ghosts knocking on the wall <laughs> yeah. or something creepy in the basement. That's the kind of banging I like in books. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're such a good complimentary match. Yeah, I know, but I read The Bourbon Thief. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking awesome. forward to finishing it. Um, okay, so I think that's our show. Yeah, let's put our heads down now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see us do whatever this is that we're Put doing our heads li- down. <laughs> live and in person, <laughs> come hang out with us at Book Riot Live in New York City on November 12th and 13th. We've extended the VIP registration uh, to be good through June 30th. You'll get $40 off your registration. So go to bookriotlive.com now. You can check out the lineup of speakers, including Walter Mosley and Kin Liu and Charlie Jane Anders and Valentine Delandro and Baz Dreisinger, whose book Incarceration Nations about prisons around the world and uh, the approach to dealing 
uh, with criminals. Uh, I talked about on the show several months ago. It's really fascinating. All the speakers are so interesting and we just have more and more coming up. We would love to see you there. So bookriotlive.com for your VIP registration through June 30th. Thanks again to our sponsors, Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra. To Penguin Random House Audio, go to tryaudiobooks.com slash family hyphen travel to get recommendations for your family road trip and to enter to, uh, oh, and to get a free download. You can also enter other giveaways there. And to read me like a book by Liz Kessler. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. And a bunch of you have been doing that lately, and it's been so much fun to hear from you. Uh, I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And as always, if you would take a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes to help other book nerds find their way to our little party here, that would be most excellent. And in case listeners don't know, Book Riot is on Slack. No, I was going to say Slack. That's our internal board. Book Riot is on Snapchat. You can tell I'm old because I can't remember. And uh, Lizzie now. So you can find Book Riot there. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. Whew. So that's it for us, Ken. That's it. <laughs> Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.